0: We are bringing together imperfect people in pursuit of a whole life. Welcome to the Pathfinder Church Message Podcast. This week, Pastor AJ shares his message from Operation 611: Endurance and Gentleness. Harnessing our true power. To harness something, think about what does that mean? To harness something is to grab a hold of its momentum and cling to it and to use it to your advantage. This could be a really good thing, like riding a horse or, or making a hydroelectric dam to take a hold of the power of the river and grab that for our own. But there are times also when harnessing power and momentum can be more than we bargained for, right? If you have ever attached your dog's leash to the handlebars of your bike, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? And you have the scars to prove it, more than you bargained for. There are times when harnessing our true power can be a bit of a bumpy ride because it requires us to rethink what we know about strength and God's power and to be willing to let God shape and retrain our hearts. In this country, the Christian voice has been one throughout history that's been a predominant voice of influence in our culture, in our society, and in our politics. And yet, what one thing that's happened as our influence grew throughout the years, we became out of touch and out of sync with our true power and the true power of what it means to follow Jesus. But what if we gain the world, but the soul of our message diminishes, what does that gain us? The reality is in our country right now, as things seem to go the other way, as Christian influence wanes, as we seem to lose ground, we actually have a shot to turn this into a win through rediscovering what it truly means to follow Jesus. I'm Pastor AJ and it's so good to be with you here today and as we we look at rediscovering the power of God, I think about hiking. I've I've recently come from Denver and I'm new here at Pathfinder and in, in the Denver area we love to go out on hikes and get out into the mountains and you learn some ways to do that that are really helpful and and some things that are important, like whenever you go out, you wanna make sure that you start early so you don't get caught in afternoon storms. If you're going by yourself, you definitely wanna make sure you tell someone where you're going, right? Um, And you want to pack the 10 essentials. The 10 essentials are a list of important items that are gonna help you to have a good day and a good time while you're hiking. But also, if you get into trouble, they're gonna help you to bail yourself out, or, or even in a worst-case scenario, to assist in your own rescue. And so these are things like warmth, uh, you know, food and water, navigation, communication, um, you know, first aid, important things to have with you. As we continue to dig into Operation 611, today we're looking at the six essentials. We're looking at these six important virtues that we believe God is calling us to re-embrace and rediscover. That God wants us to take these often forgotten virtues and put them in the bag in order to take with us on this journey of rediscovering our true power. Paul, an early follower of Jesus, he wrote about these six essentials in 1 Timothy six eleven, And here is what he wrote they are. He says, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And today we come to endurance and to gentleness. Now these are, it's an interesting list. The first four seem like fairly complimentary pairs, do they not? Pastor Dion and Pastor Doug, they unpacked these in the previous two weeks. And it seems like godliness and righteousness, they have a lot of overlap, right? Uh, It seems like faith and love are, are pretty next to each other and play off of one another. And yet we come to endurance and gentleness and we're like, these seem like strange bedfellows, do they not? Uh, I mean, our, our mental picture of endurance of a mother giving birth or a marathon runner finishing a race, that's hardly, those are hardly gentle images. And on the flip side, the most gentle among us seem hardly able to endure under pressure and to do it well. I mean, frankly, gentleness is just not something we're, we're terribly interested in. It's not the most uh, you know, desired superpower in the Marvel universe, is it? I mean, who here, if I said, you have the chance to have X-ray vision or to be really gentle, who would choose X-ray vision? Hands, show of hands, anyone out there? Wow, a lot of you valuing gentleness. I might not have to preach this message, but if I told you, you could have the power to fly or be a gentleman or gentlewoman, who would wanna fly? I would wanna fly, right? These are the choices that we make. And we're making these choices not because we've just totally nailed gentleness. Uh, We haven't, right? Uh, We're actually not that great at them. But we make these choices just because we don't really see, like, what's so interesting about gentleness? Why should we really get into it? And it's the same thing with endurance. We're just not that great at it. Um, And and frankly, with endurance, um, it's one thing to say, oh, I'm gonna quit smoking. I am going to save money, right? Um, I am going to lose weight. It's quite another to actually do it, isn't it? Some of us have said those things a few times, but to do them, to put one foot in front of the other on that marathon, right? To add one act uh, you know, of good decisions on top of another, to make one act of discipline pile up into a big pile of many, that takes endurance, that takes effort, that takes hard work and stamina, right? And given the choice between doing something hard for a long time or for a short time, I'm going to choose short every time, right? In high school track and field, I looked around at all the running that it seemed like people were going to have to do. I'm like, it's not really my thing. I became a pole vaulter. I figure, hey, short bursts of 20 yards at a time, that sounds pretty good to me. And flying through the air, that sounds great, right? And so that sounds way better than pounding the track for miles on end. And so that's what I decided to do. And we looked out at all the other suckers running laps in the cold from our warm field house, all right? But what if these choices that we're making to sort of take the path of least resistance or to, you know, del- you know, take gratification immediately? What if these choices that we're making are actually harming the quality of our life and our spiritual maturity and our biblical witness, right? What if these choices are actually holding us back because actually challenge can be good in our life and actually really necessary. And Paul, when he he writes these words, he reminds us that part of what it means to have the right stuff as a follower of Jesus is to have gentleness and to have endurance. And so how do we do that? What exactly are those things? What do they mean and how do they actually play off of one another? When I was in band growing up, one of the things that, one of the jokes that we would like to say is, how do you tune two oboes? You shoot one, (laughs) right? Um, Now my wife is an oboe player, she loves that joke, I'm just saying. Um, Never gets old. But what if gentleness and endurance, what if they're not actually that discordant? What if there are ways to hold them in concert and that they actually are powerful as a team in our spiritual journey. Paul in 1 Timothy 6.11, he doesn't elaborate on those virtues right in this passage, but we believe something called let Scripture interpret Scripture, which means that uh, when we're unclear or we need more information about something in a passage that we go to another place in Scripture where it speaks about that same thing, and we let Scripture tell us what it means. And so today, we let Scripture interpret Scripture by going into the book of Philippians, another letter written by Paul, to see what he says about it there. So if you have your Bibles or your Bibles on your phone, you can bust those out. We're going to spend some time camping out in Philippians 4 today. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure... Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Now, if, as we back up to the beginning of this passage to unpack it a little bit, I want you to say these words with me. Read this with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let me hear you. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Gentleness is kind of a forgotten virtue, right? It's abandoned. It's something we really haven't paid much attention to. But a researcher by the name of Perry Glanzer, he really highlights the plight of gentleness in our modern society. He says, in the decades after the virtue revival of the 1980s, states started passing laws supporting character education in public schools in 2006 i did a study with a colleague of all the recent character qualities listed in these laws we found 64 different virtues in all and yet the virtue of gentleness failed to make the list i could not find gentleness in character education policy surprised by the emerging the emerging pattern I undertook a more rigorous search for scholarly articles within the past three decades that might reference an empirical examination of this virtue. I did not find one. And he goes on to highlight this, that gentleness is at an all-time low, even in literature. This graph shows the literature use of gentleness over the past 200 years. And you can see we've really have started to hit the bottom here, that we're just not that interested in gentleness. Um, that there's something about it that kind of goes contrary to our nature, right? That, that we just are not that interested in, in treating people nicely and fairly and awfully. Often, we just kind of want to treat them how we want to treat them. We want to treat people according to how we feel, right? And, and there's sort of a cathartic release and relief that can come from going off on people when we think they deserve it, right? From going full vent with our emotions. There's something about that uh, that really just plays into our natural inclinations, right? And so we're not really that interested in keeping that in check and in gentleness, right? And frankly, we don't really understand gentleness as much as we think that we do either. This is something that Pastor Dion and Pastor Doug both unpacked in the past couple of weeks, is it's, I don't think it really means what you think it means, right? And for me, I always, when I think about this, I often think about premarital counseling that it's no surprise at all to men that they don't understand women. Uh, But often it comes as a bit of a surprise to women. They don't understand men as much as they think they do. Um, Which sidebar women, you know what men are thinking about, what drives it, it's really just bacon. That's all it is, all right? When am I getting my next slice of juicy, delicious bacon? That's what we're thinking about, right? But when we think about gentleness, and we think about what we often get wrong with gentleness, is we associate it with weakness. We associate it with being submissive. And it actually couldn't be further from the truth. We couldn't be more wrong, it's actually the opposite. If you think about this, when you're in a situation where, where you're kind of stressed and there's someone that's being really frustrating, right, that's making your blood boil, Like, is it easier for you to be harsh with them or to be gentle? What do you think? Harsh or gentle? Yeah, way easier to be harsh with them, right? It's way easier to get passive aggressive and and to get picky with them and to be kind of a jerk or, or to, you know, just think ill thoughts of them and not give them the benefit of the doubt, right? It's way easier to lean into that. And actually, there's this great quote, only the weak are cruel. Gentleness can only be expected from the strong. And so if gentleness is strength, and that's the association that we increasingly need to think about gentleness with, then how swole are you? Huh? Can people tell that you've been working out, right? That you're flexing those gentle muscles, right? Can people around you tell that something is different in your life because of how gentle you are? Because guess what? In scripture, there's no biblical defense for being a jerk. I know, I was surprised too, (laughs) right? I mean, I was hoping it'd be the other way. But no, it's not there, right? There's no biblical defense for being a jerk, not even in politics, not even with strangers, not even with anybody. We are actually called to be gentle people. And if we want that to be in us because we see it in our Savior first and we want to imitate him, then it's something that we need to start practicing, which is where Paul goes next in Philippians He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, whatever is admirable, and gentleness would certainly apply, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And here's the practice part. Would you say this with me? Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Put it into practice. That if we want something to be our practice, we have to practice it. We have to practice if we want it to be our habit and and rhythm and routine. I just combined like three words. But really, this is where endurance and perseverance come in. They're kind of two sides of the same coin. There's this idea that endurance is a sort of passive perseverance. And perseverance, if you wanna think about it this way, is active endurance. And so, They're two sides of the same coin, and for today, we're actually going to kind of treat them as the same, because what we're getting at here and what they both have in common is the strength and the courage to keep going and to carry on, especially when things get hard and when it would be easier to make other choices in life, right? And so endurance and gentleness is thinking about the long game and not about the the short-term gratification and knowing that if I put in the effort now, it will pay off. Now, when I was younger, when I was a kid, I remember for Christmas, I once got a leather jacket and I thought it was super cool. All right. And, and I was impatient. I couldn't wait to wear this thing around and to show it off. And I, you know, pulled off the tags and I got comfortable with it. Only problem was it was too large for me. All right, I'm a medium, it was a large. And so, you know, I had the sleeves that were kind of fallen past the hand and you had to walk, you had to kind of hold your sleeves up as you walked around. Um, I should have exchanged it for a different size. What, it would have taken like a couple days to get that done and then I'd have the jacket that fits me properly. But instead I walked around with this goofy jacket that didn't fit for the next year, right? But endurance says, I'm gonna put in the extra time to get things right. Endurance is five more minutes in the weight room, five more minutes on the treadmill. It looks at the long game and it says, what I'm putting in now, it will be worth it. Thomas Edison is a great example of endurance and a longtime associate of, of his, Walter Mallory, he uh, wrote this about this time that he encountered Edison while he was testing. Um, and he says, uh, he says this, I found him at a bench about three feet wide and 12 to 15 feet long, on which there were hundreds of little test cells that had been made by his core of chemists and experimenters. He was trying to make batteries. And he was seated at this bench, testing and figuring and planning. And I then learned that he had thus made over 9,000 experiments in trying to devise this new type of storage battery. But he had not produced a single thing that promised to solve the question. And in view of this immense amount of thought and labor, my sympathy got the better of my judgment. And I said, isn't it a shame that with the tremendous amount of work you have done, you haven't been able to get any results? Edison turned on me like a flash and with a smile replied, results? Why man, I've gotten a lot of results. I know of several thousand things that won't work. He would later say this, many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. Newt Gingrich also had, former Speaker of the House, had this great quote about perseverance. He said, perseverance is the hard work you do after you get tired of doing the hard work you already did. You see, we associate, we talked about associating gentleness with weakness and breaking that association. We think weakness is is somehow related to gentleness. And yet I looked up the antonym of endurance, and you know what it is? The opposite of endurance is weakness, right? I we sometimes we often feel weak. I mean, this world throws a lot at us. It throws a lot. It stretches us in our time and in our finances and in our energy and, and even affects our health, right? This world, it crushes in and presses in on us. And, you know, it, it hurts us. This world is a place that is broken, and and for people that dwell in a broken world, we're going to get burned as well, right? It throws a lot at us for us to endure, and often we don't feel like enduring, and we don't do it that well, and we feel like giving up, right? The reality is in those times when we, we feel like we are at the end of ourselves, that is when we See and we hear God's call to persevere, right? Because when, even when those times when our biblical values are being threatened out in culture and it seems like one more thing the world is throwing at us, one more thing uh, that, that we need to resist, we often, because we're stressed by that, we often ironically do that. The very thing that we're worried about is we give up on our biblical values because of how that stress causes us to speak. And to act in ways that are inconsistent with our faith. But check this out. In Hebrews 12, we're urged to run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer or author and perfecter of our faith. And what this passage isn't advising for us to do is just to try harder. You know, just to to gird yourself and to like just be stronger and just go do it right? Those six essentials, right? Faith and love and godliness and righteousness and gentleness and endurance. Why don't you just actually try and try harder to embrace those things, right? That's not, that message is not what hope is. Try harder, uh, find the power within, right? That's not the Christian message, to tell someone to do something which is beyond their ability, beyond our ability to do. But rather, the passage tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, To have strength through looking to Him because He is the one with the endurance. He is the one with all of the power and to not let Him out of our sight. He is the one that goes to the cross in order to stop the crush of the world. He is the one who conquers evil, who abolishes, He wins the victory over sin at the cross. And he not just stops the crush, but he actually begins to remake the world good and beautiful just as it was in the beginning and get the world back on track to what God always hoped it would be. And so we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We look to him. He is your hope. He is your forgiveness when you fail. He's your strength when you feel weak. He is your inspiration when you're tempted to treat others in a way where we don't think they have the image of God. He is the one that is your renewal. That when we feel tired and weak and like giving up, he says this. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. That this is what God, before we go to that one, this is what God wants us to remember, that he is gentle with us, and in him we find our rest, right? That we have a sense of ease as Christians, as follow of Jesus, Jesus, knowing that the victory has already been won. It is already ours by faith, and in increasing measure, we're seeing the kingdom of God enter into this broken world to make it new. The victory is won, and so it's okay if things don't go exactly our way. It's okay if our opinion is not the opinion shared by everyone. It's okay if what we think should be done, if that doesn't happen. Because we are in the hands of Jesus. And in the long run, we know that that is amazing and good and we have so much in store for us. And so we know that it can be okay then in the short run too. And that we can have joy So we fix our eyes on Jesus. And as we we ask sort of how do we fix our eyes on Jesus, Paul in Philippians, which we've been unpacking today, he tells us, he says, in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will be yours. That how we fix our eyes on Jesus is through prayer. And not just prayer one time, but developing a prayer habit. Things that are done once are easily broken, right? But things that have begun over and over again, they begin to pile up and go deeper and sink roots into our lives. When Megan and I, we purchased our first home, this was like 12 or 13 years ago, something like that. We purchased a house that had been recently flipped. And the guy that was doing it hadn't done the landscaping yet. So he had just kind of, he chopped down you know, trees that weren't supposed to be in places. And he he kind of had gotten all the the shrubs removed, but he hadn't done anything with the stumps yet or with the roots. And you know, uh, my first house purchase, I should have just put it in the contract for him to finish, but I did not, sadly. And so I had a lot of work to do with the ax and the shovel to get those stumps out of my yard and get those roots from the shrubs uh, to, to get them out of there. And I still remember this one shrub that had grown twisted in with the gas meter. Uh, So think before you plant a shrub, people. This is my advice to you today. Um, That I remember this shrub and it was all tangled in there and I kind of hacked away at it and I did as much as I thought I really could and it had one of those really deep tap roots that goes down. And I was starting to figure, I don't know how I'm gonna do this while I'm swinging the ax around the gas meter. So I thought, I, I borrowed my friend's truck and I hooked up chains to these roots and I thought maybe I'll just slowly pull them out and and get them out that way. Only it stopped the truck dead. (laughs) And so I thought, I backed up and I'm like, I'm gonna give another go at this. And I kind of gun it a little more, boom, truck stops. (laughs) And I start to go, I'm not a truck person, but I'm like, how how hard can I do this before I damage the truck (laughs) here? And and so I eventually had to give up and go back to digging by hand. But those, the strength of that image, of how deeply embedded those roots are. That's what prayer does in our lives. Every time we pray, it deepens our roots another inch. And when we pray, it gives us perspective. It gives us uh, the focus and the perspective to give us a wider view of things, not a different perspective than the gospel, but a wider perspective of the gospel and what it means in our lives. And to recognize that the power found in following Jesus is not being on top of culture, but working for good in its midst. Especially when culture makes it hard to do exactly that. Anyone can be gentle when you've got a full stomach, when you're in a good mood. Anyone can be gentle when your relationships are growing great and you have had eight hours of sleep right? But it's hard to be gentle. And this is where the synthesis of gentleness and endurance produces something extraordinary. When we do those both at the same time, when we're gentle, not just for a moment, but gentle as we endure. And regardless of what's going on around us, and regardless of what extra grace required people are doing that aggravate us, that's extraordinary. When we treat people not according to our stresses and how we feel, but how God feels about them, right? And when we exercise discipline and endurance over even the hardest thing, over our own inclinations, which want to act sinfully toward others, and when we are gentle in spite of those, that is world-changing, That's life-changing for us and for the people around us. When we don't just take the stresses that we have and transfer them to others, it's amazing. Um, Halt. Halt is a word to remember. It helps us to recognize the stresses that may be at work in our life. That when we're hungry, we're angry, we're lonely, we're tired. Halt. Don't post that. Don't say that. Uh, But this helps us to remember the impact that these things can have upon us and how we act toward others and how they can undermine our gentleness. This helps us to be self-aware that even when there are times when we can't yet, we know we have to recharge our batteries, but we don't have the time yet to get that next meal or to get that rest or whatever, and we have to endure, this helps us to remember the ways that sin will be tempted to undermine gentleness in our life. And in spite of still having to undergo stress, to be able to work through it, aware of these things and how they might impact us. One stress uh, that I don't do well under is cold. Don't love cold, all right? And science backs me up on this. They say that redheads, uh, genders, that we tend to get cold about 15 degrees sooner uh, than everybody else. We get a bit more uncomfortable with cold temperatures, right? But a number of years ago, I read a book that really redefined my sense of what it means to be cold and maybe a little bit more grateful that uh, it could be worse, right? And, and Thanksgiving that I didn't experience it. This was a book about Ernest Shackleton, his journey to Antarctica to lead the first land crossing of the continent. And so his expedition was gonna leave in 1914 and they were gonna go down to the, the Ross Sea and, and uh, in their ship and they were gonna you know, make a land Landing, and they were gonna go across the continent, there'd be a ship waiting for them on the other side. Only they get down there and they get stuck in pack ice. And so the ship is unable to escape from the ice and just moves with the ice for six months. So for six months they camp out on this ship. Uh, And then the ice flows become really dangerous and they crush the ship. And so they spent an additional seven months camping out on the ice flows uh, in sub-zero temperatures, and they were subsisting off of whatever they could hunt—you know, uh, sea lions and other birds and so forth. And so, if you're counting, they're up to 13 months in sub-zero temperatures in Antarctica, and, and being stuck. And and then after that time, when they had to figure out how they were going to be rescued, and so they took the lifeboats from the ship, and they made an 800-mile journey across open ocean in freezing temperatures, and navigated successfully to a tiny dot known as South Georgia Island. They knew there was a whaling station there. And once getting to South Georgia Island, they then had to cross 25 miles of snowy and icy mountain range in order to get to this station. And when they showed up in 1916, after having been declared dead, uh, having no knowledge of the First World War going on, Everybody was shocked that those people who had been dead came back alive. I mean, could you imagine? And what's really cool about this, about three weeks ago, you may have seen this in the news, their ship was actually discovered, um, you know, where, about a, a couple miles from where it sank. And we have some pictures uh, of the shipwreck, and, and it was really amazing to see this discovery after 107 years. And my jaw about dropped when I saw the picture of the back of the ship. The aptly named Endurance that after 170 years, you could still read the name. It wasn't obscured by anything. It was right there for us to see. And what it reminded me is that if we want something to be of value, if we want it to be a part of our culture, and if we want to work on it and get better at it, we must name it and claim it put it on the back of your ship, right? Safe to say they needed more endurance than they thought they were going to need, right? But I loved that the name of the ship, it carried them through this entire ordeal, right? Through lost fingers and toes and whatever else they had to experience, they endured. I mean, how amazing is it that this crew didn't turn on one another, they didn't mutiny, they didn't separate and go their separate ways, but they endured. And it started with naming it as a value and naming it as something that they would be about together. And so today, what's something that God is calling you to name? What's something that you wanna work on that that he's calling you to tell somebody about uh, so that somebody else can know that you're working on that thing too, right? And maybe it's gentleness. Maybe it's working on being a kinder person. Maybe it's treating others according to how God sees them and the way that God has treated us and not how we feel like we wanna treat them in the moment. Maybe it's endurance. Maybe it is leaning in to the challenge that's before you and not running the other way, but recognizing that God wants to grow you through it and he's actually gonna be with you in the midst of that challenge. And maybe it's the synthesis of both, is to be gentle in endurance, to, as you interact with others, to be extraordinary, through not treating others as maybe even the world would expect that regardless of what the world presses in on us with, that we respond with the gentleness and the grace and the joy of Jesus. And to remember the old adage that practice makes perfect or actually as my band director used to correct us with perfect practice makes perfect. But in the absence of our ability to do that, what if we in faith fix our eyes to Jesus in prayer and to make it a part of our rhythm and to grow those deep, deep roots through prayer? And in the absence of our ability to be perfect, what if we fix our eyes on him who is the author and the perfecter of our faith? God, we thank you in this day that we can come before you, we can hear your word Lord, we can take it to our heart and mind and we can be comforted with your gospel message of that in your son, Jesus, we don't have to be anxious in this life. We know that you have our eternity in store. And and if you have our eternity in store, how much more do you have our present in store as well? God, we thank you that we don't have to lash out with our stress. We don't have to, to fight the wrong enemies around us, but instead... Through you, you call us to be people of gentleness, to follow in the footsteps of your son Jesus who endured the cross for us so that we too cannot fight with those around us but instead can be for them just as you are for them, God. Lord, whatever we have heard that you want us personally to work on or to take to heart or to be challenged by, Lord, we help, pray that you would help us to write it down and to name it to chew on it over this next week and give us the courage to say, Lord, here I am. Change me and make me more like your son. God, we are in awe of all that you do, the grace that you pour out upon us over and over and over again. And when we gather for worship, that you renew us and restore us in your grace and your hope. We lift all this up in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Pathfinder Church Message Podcast. If you would like to hear more messages like this, hit the subscribe button. You can also find more resources at our website, pathfinderstl.org.